Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with one of our retirement experts, Dr. John Glass, retirement coach from 64 Plus. John, lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do at 64 Plus? Certainly. I stopped full-time work about eight plus years ago. And at first I was a bit confused about what to do next. And then with a bit of consideration and having done some training as a counsellor coach, I decided to help myself to help others, by which I mean to say to become a retirement coach an extremely uh, rare profession, one that I hope grows over time and which I will explain in more detail later. But for the last six or so years, I've been operating 64 plus my retirement coaching business. Okay, amazing. Now, I would imagine not many people know retirement coaches exist. I mean, I certainly did it until we were introduced. And I'd love to know the issues that uh, people have when they move into retirement. And I know you've previously shared with me the three Ds, which is depression, divorce, and downsizing. So could you tell me a little bit more, uh, maybe some statistics around what happens to people when, you know, across those three areas, when they do choose to retire and we'll delve into it in a bit more detail. Okay, so I chose the three Ds uh, deliberately just to give a bit of uh, zing to the presentation because divorce and depression are obviously words that capture people's attention. Downsizing is more mundane. And I didn't introduce, uh, I didn't want to introduce divorce and depression to make the audience uh, feel down. Far from it. More to throw in, slice in some stats. Now, what I've been able to find is that The divorce rate recently in Australia has been on the increase, around 2% is the number I found. And particularly, uh, it's a condition that occurs more and more often amongst people who've been married for more than a couple of decades. So we're already potentially in the realm of people about to retire or in retirement. So for me, the the age group of people I deal with is around 55 to 70. So that's a stat for divorce. Now, depression is much hotter topic and and I'm not a mental health expert but the stat I saw is that around five percent of people over the age of 60 suffer from some kind of depression so I raised divorce and and depression because these are conditions where I think a retirement coach can be helpful to a client Uh, again not because I'm a mental health professional as such nor a marriage counsellor but in ways that I hope to be able to explain Uh, as we go through this podcast. So very quickly, downsizing, we all know about that. It's probably what people ought to do when the last child has left home. Not everyone does. I've heard of some people who build even bigger houses, but most people downsize. I myself- For the grandchildren, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that's right. Uh, My trajectory has been to move from a house to an apartment and I'm really glad I did it. So those were the three Ds uh, that I wanted to put out there for your audience to think about. 
And do you see mostly men when you're in your retirement coaching space? I'd imagine in the in terms of the sort of demographics um, of the people that are retiring now may be different when we, you know, in another 20 odd yeah. years. But it, would you say it's mostly men that you're seeing that are retiring and they've had that traditional stereotype of the male has been uh, within the household, the person that works, and then potentially their partner has taken more of the role where they look after the home and they raise the family? Yes, is the simple answer. My clients are predominantly, but by no means exclusively, male. Yeah. And I think you've put your finger on it. It's simply the path that our society is moving through and perhaps with more women in the workforce, retirement coaches will entertain as many men as they do women and as many women as they do men as clients. But one interesting angle I'll give to this, which has happened to me more times than I'd care to mention, is that a wife, and, and if I seem to be talking traditionally about husbands and wives, uh, I, I can't really apologise. That's I, I'm pretty sure the majority situation in this country. But I by no means uh, am attempting to exclude people who don't fit into that framework. Okay. So uh, what I've had happen to me so often is that a wife will phone me and say, John, my husband needs your help. And the first few times I got very excited, but I learned to treat that with the caution that needs to be treated with. It's, it's, it's like a hot potato. The husband um, who the wife promises will call me, he never calls. Yeah. And I can only imagine the conversation. You think I need help. I don't think I need help. I'm going into the work shed or something. Yeah. yeah. So let's look at one of those areas. Let's look at the depression one, because I would imagine if we take that typical stereotype, um, you know, somebody's had a career for 40 odd years, say, and, you know, we get, that's our identity. You know, our professional world is our, our identity. Um, do you find that um, people prepare for their retirement in terms of what I'm going to do next? Or they just know there's this dating time where I'm going to retire and it comes and then they move into this retirement phase. And is that, you know, does depression come in because they've lost their or their purpose has changed or because they haven't got something to get up and, you know, go out to work for every day. Yeah. Where, where, where does this sort of come in? And if we're talking to people that are planning their retirement, what do they need to think around or what can they do to sort of potentially alleviate that problem? Yeah. Excellent points. And if it's okay with you at this stage, I'll step back from using the D for depression word and simply talk about people having an adjustment to a fulfilling, happy retirement, yeah. which obviously is a bigger category the than goal. the one that I deal with. That's the goal. So uh, how does that come about? And you've said it very well. There's a big component of identity that's connected with people's work lives. There's something as mundane and simple as the routine of going to work, let's say, traditionally Monday to Friday. Mm. Those things are can evaporate in retirement space. And it's in their evaporation, a bit like a lake being empty, that the, the, the natural life of fish ceases to exist. And the answer, and this is what retirement coaches do, I believe, is to help the client to effectively reinvent themselves and become a retired person. And the way I put it to my clients is like this. When you worked or 
perhaps they're still working. You have a business card. I know those are going out of fashion, but let's assume it's back in the 1980s again. And on that card, apart from the paraphernalia of your phone number and where you work, is something called a title, which could be extremely grand. So client, tell me the kind of title you'd like to have on your card in retirement. Would you like to have retired person? Mm. No, 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 no. And that's the point, to fill out those categories. And Retirement coaching, to come back to your original question, is all about helping the client to find her or his meaning, purpose, whatever you want to call it in retired life, because once that's established, then the outworkings of that in terms of, oh, I want to do social work, I want to study, I want to look after grandchildren, these things are very personal. And as a coach, I'm simply facilitating an answer, not directing it, not giving it. Uh, once that's achieved, then uh, meaning and purpose become fulfilled and life and retirement becomes fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. So really the, the support um, or the areas that anyone planning their retirement needs to kind of preempt is what am I going to do next? Is, you know, gardening or golf going to be enough? Yeah. Is that going to be enough for, you know, the, the change of my identity or do I actually need to consider other things to, to keep my brain ticking over and to, to give my life meaning and purpose? That's essentially what you're saying. Oh, in a nutshell. And yeah. I think that brings into play the whole concept of time. And mm -hmm. some people, as they approach retirement or get into retirement, some people are very fearful of what they'll do with that huge hole that black hole of time which they never thought about because you you hardly went to work in your 30s and said to the boss I don't know what to do today boss mm -hmm. uh, it's not something you would say to your boss but some people have a deep fear and aversion to the free time others say yay I've got seven days a week to do a whole lot of stuff and I'm going to get to it because yeah. I know my purpose and meaning and therefore their retirement is just a wonderful gift to them rather than a bogey person. Burden. I think I had yeah. to say bogey person. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we look at the next D, divorce, uh, yes. we it's a little bit like the last two years, you know, we found ourselves, um, I won't say stuck at home with our partners, but, you know, we found ourselves in that um, single space with another person. And if we take the, you know, the traditional people, the, the that sort of traditional stereotype where, Maybe one person did go out to work and one person was at home for a majority of that time frame. Um, and now the person, the retiree, finds themselves at home, maybe slightly unfulfilled or frustrated after a period of time. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, say, you know, the, the partner is at home and suddenly, you know, their, their life and their day to day has also changed. Is that where it's worthwhile um, couples actually having this conversation before the retirement date to say you know what what is this going to look like you know what do you do every day what do I do every day how do we want to exist as a couple as a partnership within this new phase of life do people actually have those conversations is that something that's valuable to do um, to almost get themselves you know on a new path but the same path which is a new trajectory and a new chapter in their life Yes, uh, absolutely. And one of the uh, most important initial meetings I can have with the client is to meet the client with their partner just for that first session, because then 
uh, without doubt, uh, you'll find uh, you can very quickly as a coach uncover some points of view that are opposed to each other. Uh, the, the husband says, I'm going to spend my retirement playing golf. And the wife says, well, hang on a second. We have other obligations. And by the way, I'd like to see you sometimes. You know, I'm parodying the whole thing. Yeah. But that's why I think the divorce stat is relevant because of another factor, which is that people, again, in these traditional marriage relationships can get to that 60 years of age. Uh, they, they've been married. They've had a long marriage. They've had a mortgage, which they've paid off. They've had child or children who have left home mm. and that can lead to a longing yearning look across the dining room table one evening where no one says anything but what they're thinking is what now and so uh, I don't uh, I don't raise divorce because I think it's a good thing I raise divorce because I think a retirement coach can help a couple to reinvigorate their life together in retirement and, and a very a uh, useful way to get them thinking, because again, I'm not directional, I'm more asking the right questions, is to put to them, okay, you now have downsized. I've got in the third D without even trying. You've downsized, you're in this small apartment. Okie dokie, how will you share that space? Will you um, sit at the kitchen table all day long together on your computers looking at Facebook? Maybe, but just let's think that through, let's talk it through because there might be some other ways of dealing with that small space issue you now have in a life together that you now have that could be quite clever, such as uh, someone establishes a, uh, a beachhead in the local coffee shop and goes there every day for two hours, for example. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Because not only have you got uh, either one partner or both partners now, you know, sort of giving up work and spending a lot more time together, which perhaps, you know, 24-7 hadn't necessarily happened. But suddenly, you if you have downsized, you've moved out of the larger home, maybe where there's a garden or a shed that you can kind of escape, escape to um, and have your own space and time. But suddenly now you've downsized. And even if those conversations haven't happened before the downsize, where do you go? Like, how do you... Yeah reconfigure yeah. the relationship um so that you know you, you can reset the boundaries reset expectations and continue moving forward yes and that's why discussion is the way that's why coaching can work it's because the coach asks the right questions listens carefully to the answers and uh, gives gentle nudges to the client uh, to get their thinking in order. So I would say the most uh, encouraging signal I ever get from a client is when they say to me, I've never thought about that before. Then I breathe a sigh of, well, I've done something here. I've yeah. never thought about that before. And that's a good thing. So that's the direction a coach takes. And, and I'll say two things here. Uh, I'll try to give a, a very loose definition of what a coach actually does to confirm things I've said before. But before that, I, I had this slogan that um, everybody thinks they're an expert in retirement. It's funny, isn't it? The world is full of, I'm talking about people in their 50s and 60s, not 20-year-olds. They're all experts. And you think, how can that be? I mean, I, I claim to have some expertise in a small number of subjects, but there's a gazillion things I know nothing about. So why do we all focus on this? I'm an expert in retirement. I don't need any help when help could be exactly what you need. And I'm not arguing uh, that everybody should have a retirement coach. 
Uh, there are some people who uh, are able to think through their own retirement on their own or with their family and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot more people could do with the help than are prepared to own up to it. And if I could just give a definition of coach for those who've never really thought it through, I, I like to start with the definition of a sporting coach because we all have a, a very good idea of what a sporting coach does from organisation through motivation through shoulder to cry on. In a sense, a retirement coach is no different, but we don't operate on a sporting field. We operate on the internet or face-to-face. So it's all about, as I keep saying, asking good questions, listening to the answers to help the client guide herself or himself to a position where they can look forward and say, "Mm, I think I will have a fulfilling retirement. Mm. And I think with coaching, it's asking those questions, particularly when you've got two people in a room, to encourage conversation, which potentially they won't necessarily have, or they're the awkward questions. And also you don't know what you don't know. So you don't really necessarily know what you should be thinking about to even have those discussions, because like you say, most people just think retirement's going to come naturally. I'm just going to fall into it. And, you know, it's going to be a breeze, but clearly it it isn't a breeze for some people. So having somebody to facilitate conversations, I think that's one of the biggest um, gems of coaching. Of course, I agree. And can I amplify your comments? I like to talk about the three pillars of retirement. And the first two are, I think, uncontroversial. Retired people think about their finances. Mm -hmm. However, they have those constitutions set up. It's obvious. Retired people think about their physical health, Mm -hmm. as they should, and it's obvious. But why aren't more people thinking about what I call the third pillar of retirement, which is emotional health? Mm -hmm. And perhaps part of that is that society has never encouraged them to think about their emotional health for the last 50 years. So why should they start now? And my response to that is there's no better time to start than right now. Yeah. I mean, that that emotional health, health is critical, isn't it? The emotional mental health, but potentially the barriers around that are generational. You know, um, yeah. men coming into retirement age weren't always raised to show their emotions or openly talk about how they're feeling it's changing a lot now and as it should do but I guess therefore you're also addressing barriers that are very uncomfortable for a lot of people you know to talk about their feelings and perhaps that feeling of um you know marriages breaking down or not feeling fulfilled and also not knowing what to do because I think you know by the time you get to retirement a lot of men feel like well I should just know this it should just come naturally but then admitting that actually I'm now lost you know I'm three six a year into my retirement and actually I'm either bored or I'm unsatisfied and admitting that to oneself can actually be quite hard I would imagine for specifically this generation that you're working with. And unfortunately, and you've alluded to this, society at large doesn't give any help because if it did, there'd be some established, and sorry to use an investment term, that's my background, some established benchmarks of Mm. retirement performance. And I'm not trying to turn it into a football match where you rack up a score and you win, but more have a sense society-wide of what a fulfilling retirement can look like. And there's no one answer, Mm. but maybe a dozen answers. Here, Here are some fulfilling retirements. Now, 
before you uh, self-declare as an expert in the emotional aspects of retirement, have a look at these other examples and have a think. And I reckon that would be very useful to a lot of people. But as far as I'm concerned, I've never seen those sorts of um, benchmarks promulgated in our society. Yeah. Uh, John, I've loved talking to you and I think it's an amazing topic because, you know, you sort of get to that phase of life and we still have after retirement a huge amount of life to live. So I think, you know, being able to really address what is this next chapter, what is this next phase of life look like for me? And having somebody like yourself or at least being able to ask those questions of oneself, you know, what does this look like? What do I need to do? Um, you know, you don't, you know, if you can keep your marriage and everything else in a fulfilling life going, then great. So I think it's it's amazing to be able to have these tools and these questions to ask yourself before things start breaking down. Um, so that you know people can move move into that next chapter and continue progressing just in a completely yes. different trajectory exactly exactly well put and uh, thank you so much for your questions and your thank comments thank you so much for joining me john um, i look forward to talking to you again and yeah we'll speak soon thank you for listening to find out more about how trio can support your people visit trio.com